Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. How many of you love Jesus today? If you would, uh, bow your heads with me and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace in this house. Thank you for our time and worship together today. Lord, thank you for what you're doing all around. Lord, thank you for the baptisms that are going to take place today. Father, I ask that your word would grip our hearts. As we go through your word, you promise us that it will not return void. And so we ask that you would change us. In the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. One more time, would you just bless the Lord right now? I want you to go with me to James chapter 1. We're going to be starting in verse 19. And um, as we do, I want to give you an encouragement today. Um, you know that we would all be a lot better if we would actually read this book. And, you know, we, we um, will work our way through the scriptures each year. Uh, sometimes we'll go verse by verse. You know what, if I was just doing what was, felt natural to me, I would just be preaching through each verse every single Sunday. But we try and do it so that, um, uh, so that we can hit certain rhythms as the church needs it because there's a number of different topics that are, you know, important to be emphasized like family and money. Um, you know, we'll do a, a number of different message series. But what I really love to do is I just love to open the Bible and get into a verse and preach on it and then preach the next one and then preach the next one. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to cooperate really good with this message series this summer. And um, I want you to read the book of James. That's your homework for today. So when you go home, you can read this whole book today. And I would just ask that you read it every week while we're in this uh, message series. This book, uh, the book of James, is, uh, is a powerful, powerful book. It's one of the most um, common sense, straightforward, practical books in the entire Bible. And you know what? I just like it when people just talk to me in a way that I can understand it. No beating around the bush. Just give it to me. And that's what James does. And so as we... Look at what he has to say here today. Um, I'm going to be sharing this theme, um, Faith That Works. Today, the focus, James chapter 1, verse 19 through 27, is faith that works when you're angry. Say that with me. Faith that works when you're angry. Does anybody have any problem with that? Anybody got an anger problem? If you don't have an anger problem right now in the world, something's wrong with you. <laughs> Hangry, that's uh, what happens in the second service. <laughs> Towards the end of the day, you're ready for lunch. You're ready for lunch. Faith that works when you're angry. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. Would you just read that with me all together? I think we have that scripture here. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 19, 
Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to speak, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. You've read it, just deal with that, okay? So here's what I wanna tell you today. Faith works when you're angry. Say that with me really good. Faith works when you're angry. And you know, I have just like my standard things. I think everybody has like their standard annoyances that cause you to get frustrated. Uh, I'll be honest, you know, slow drivers in the left lane all day long, that'll push a button for me, pretty easy. I actually did find this out that uh, in Alabama, you cannot stay in the, you're not supposed to. Okay, we're just doing a service for mankind right now. This is just a PSA. I'm just gonna instruct just a little bit. And that you are not supposed to stay in the left lane for more than a mile. You know, you pass somebody, you're supposed to get over. Apparently at any speed. It's not just when you're going slow. And if we would do that, the whole world would be better. Praise the Lord. We could take up the offering and go home, right? <laughs> that, that'll, that'll get you. That'll really get you. You know what else will get you? Is man, when people just won't do what they said they would do. Somebody. We don't even really have to innovate it a whole lot. If people would just... Follow through on what they said they would do. That, that'll, make, that'll make you angry. Right there. So you take the trash out. Somebody, you know. You know, and then there's bigger things. Of course, you know, on the... I, I could preach this message on any particular um, Sunday, and there would be some other issue. So the flavor of the week right now, gas prices... At first, when this stuff started, I'll be honest. I mean, I was, I, was a little, I was concerned, right? But I tried to run my gas down as low as I could because I wanted to get the high score. I just wanted to see it when it happened. But it isn't funny anymore, you know? That'll, that'll get your blood boiling. There's a lot of little things. A lot of little things. Somebody picks on your friends. Somebody picks on your kids. Somebody picks on your neighbors. You know, I got a bill this week for 18 cents. That, you know how much it probably costs to produce that bill? Probably $3.50. The manpower to print and the postage and all that stuff. They even put a return envelope in there. I got to spend like four times the price of the bill for the stamp. That's crazy. I just stand up here and do chicken soup for the soul all day long. Just get this out. This is like a, an act of psychological, psychiatric you know, mental, emotional catharsis. This is, feels pretty good, actually. And then we have, you know, we have things going on in the world right now, too. We have things going on in our community right now that ought to make you angry. And you know, let me say that the Bible doesn't tell you not to be angry. The Bible never says that. The Bible has instruction about our anger, how we're to handle those things. And let me say, if the things that are happening in your community and our community don't make you angry enough to change it, we got to fix that. We got to fix that. What we don't want to do is we don't want to go railing on everybody and their mother. You know, I, it's just a law. If you're on staff at Pathway, you don't get to leave reviews of restaurants on social media. Just don't, just go ahead and skip that one right there. Like our, the, the deal with anger isn't just to go blow everybody up all the time. You know what? We are in an era of anger and rage right now. Everybody's mad about everything. And we're all sitting around with a hair trigger just waiting to be offended so that we can tell somebody off. 
And let me tell you, there is not enough virtue signaling that you can do that'll ever appease your neighbor. You're not gonna do it. So the best thing with all of that stuff is for you to love God and love your neighbor and let's get down out of the drama as much as possible. Is that, is that, is that a good deal? But you know, there are things in our community that we need to, we need to touch. And at the risk of just talking about this too much, I, I, I talk about cultural issues, and right now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm down in some things. I talk about it. It feels like it's too much, but it feels like it's just, you're being confronted with it all the time. And listen, I love everybody, and I think everybody ought to have freedom of speech. I think they ought to be able to self-determine their life, which is one reason I'm pro-life, because I think every single human ought to have the ability to determine how they're going to live and if they're going to live. We ought, to, we ought to be angry that they're little babies, red and yellow, black and white, from both genders, male and female, who are not afforded the opportunity to take a breath in this world. Now, at the same time where I'm angry, I'm also thankful for you. Because of your generosity, 1,019 pregnant, abortion-minded mothers made a decision to choose life through Women's Resource Center that you help outfit, that you help build, that you donate to. And I, I don't think it's a choice between either or. You know, they said, well, it's better, better than cursing the darkness, light a light. No, let's do both. Let's do both because we ought to speak for those who can't speak for themselves. But I sure do thank the Lord that there are some folks that are lighting a beautiful candle in our community on this issue, on issues of race, on issues of sexuality, on issues of money, on issues of caring for one another, on issues of the family. You know, right now the family is being deconstructed. Deconstruction is a cool thing to do right now, by the way at the expense of our children. It's a social experiment to see what'll happen, even in our own community, just in this last couple weeks. In the last couple weeks, we've been advertising family-friendly LGBTQ parade, picnics, etc. And the highlight banner is like three six-foot-two drag queens. It's not even possible to produce a family in that ideology. Pastor, be careful. No, hold, I'm not going to. I am being careful. I care about our sons and daughters. I care about you. I care about our community. Everybody is welcome in this church. Everybody has a seat. How will they hear if there isn't a preacher, right? So we got we to gotta preach and we have to. And we have to also, we also have to. Let them hear the gospel. So this is one reason why we, you know, you never clean fish before you get them in the boat either. And let me tell you, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of people sitting in here today that are battling with things. You're angry and you sin against your neighbor. You lie and you cheat and you are adulterers and you are fornicators. And you know what? We're going to preach about that. And we're also going to preach about all the sins in the scriptures. And we're not going to abandon our 
children or our community to these untruths. Because there is nothing family friendly about grooming our children in our schools under the name of enlightenment or under the name of education. Father and mother, you train up your child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. If you don't like the crime right now in Mobile, you keep deconstructing the nuclear family. Let's see how it works 10 years from now. That should make you angry. It, it, it should make you angry that on Memorial Day, we paint the cannon, our war memorial, in rainbow colors. It, I'm not mad at anybody. And we have great leaders. But you ought to be stirred enough that you're calling your leaders your county commissioners, your city council. And when you talk to your children, you, pre, you be, don't get angry enough to go on Facebook and not be angry enough to sit down with your family and open up the word of God and read the Bible with them. There's some things that ought to make us stirred enough that we would say, we love our families, we love our church, and we love our community, we love our leaders enough to stand with them as they stand with righteousness and goodness. But at any moment, we have to depart from righteousness to stand with others. We stand with righteousness every single time. Let's encourage one another in the Lord. Brothers and sisters and people who don't follow Christ, let's, encourage, let's give them courage to go after Jesus. Let me tell you, this is a family-focused, family-friendly community. And we ought not let it be deconstructed. But there's wisdom today in the scriptures on how we're to be angry. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Faith works when we're angry. Now James writes this, what makes James an expert in anger management? I mean, was he a psychologist? What was he? Well, let's talk about James really quickly. First of all, we see in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, that James is the half-brother of Jesus, just like Jude was. He's the half-brother because Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, not by Joseph. He was born of a virgin, so he only had one earthly parent, unlike James and Jude, any theology that teaches that uh, Mary went on as a virgin, she did not. This, this is not what happened. This is not what scriptures say. Actually, Joseph and Mary produced James. And Joseph and Mary produced Jude. But only Mary was involved when Jesus was conceived. And so James was a credible source just because he's Jesus' brother. Now Jesus and James being brothers, you know that they had some, Jesus being the older brother, James being the younger brother, and I, I don't know how it is in your house, but in my house, the younger brother always kept things interesting, and the older brother was trying to keep things in order. But I'll tell you what, Jesus claiming that he was the Messiah was not something that was easy for James or Jude 
to handle. They didn't believe it. I mean, you think about, how many of you have boys? Anybody have boys in your house? Go ahead and raise your hand. Over at, at, at Foley or airport, go ahead and raise your hand. You, you, have, you have boys. Boys, they don't, they're giving each other the business. My brother and I, we fought all the time, but if you messed with either one of us, you were going to get both of us. But I'll tell you, my brother would say things. I wouldn't believe him. He wouldn't believe me. We were messing with each other. We, we had, my parents had a, a Oldsmobile Delta 88, and we would, that thing was a, was a land yacht. We would sit in the back seat, and, uh, you know, some cars have one stripe down the middle of the back seat, a little piping. Not this one. It had two stripes, so there was a seat, there was a seat, and then a little, little vinyl panel there in the middle. To me, that was like, you know, I was in South Korea, my brother was in North Korea, and that center panel was like the demilitarized zone. And if Philip came over on my side, then we were going to go to war. And if I went over to his side, I was going to go, we were going to go to war. But as long as we were in the middle, we could taunt each other and you weren't supposed to do anything. I just imagine James and John were like that. So when Jesus claims that he's the Messiah, James didn't, he didn't even believe it. In John chapter 7, uh, the first 10 verses, the Bible tells us that even his own brothers did not believe in him. So James, the author of James, Jude, the author of Jude, did not always believe like they did when they, when they wrote this passage. But according to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, after the uh, Jesus' resurrection, the Bible tells us that he appeared to James, and James believed which is not only the case for James and Jude, but it was the case for all of the disciples in that before or during the crucifixion, during the crucifixion, after the crucifixion, but before the resurrection, they were all denying Jesus left and right. Maybe only the exception of John. John stood by. Peter denied him. A bunch of them ran away. But after the resurrection, it was a game changer for all of them. What I'm saying is James had gone through stuff. We see that James eventually would go on to become the leader of the Jerusalem church. So like the headquarters church of the global church, James was the most prominent pastor leader. And he actually uh, presided over some hearings to determine what would be acceptable practice in the church. And when you read the New Testament, it's a developing church also. So when you read the Gospels, it's very undeveloped. In the book of Acts, it's, it's a little bit more developed. And as you, as you go in different parts of the epistles, you will see more structure being added, like the elders and deacons and all of these things. You see church government starting to take place. James was in it early. In fact, in Acts chapter 15, verses 13 through 20, we see that James was instrumental in motivating Jewish uh, believers to make way for the evangelism of Gentile believers. So if you could today, you ought to say thank, thank you to James. Because if it wasn't for James, almost, almost everybody in here would not be able to hear heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he writes this book. He writes this book, the book of James. It is one of the most straightforward. It's like the gospel in denim, the gospel in blue jeans. Anybody got a favorite pair of blue jeans in the Bible? This would be it. It's called James is called the Proverbs of the New Testament because they're short, straightforward sayings. Now, I have some friends in here that are just chock full of these kinds of sayings. Like, that's as dry as cracker juice. That's a good one right there. James is full of this kind of being, 
I'm pretty sure James had a Twitter account because all of his sayings seem like they're about 140 characters or less. He doesn't beat around the bush. He had a way of taking complex ideas and distilling them down into basic instruction. And so James, James writes this letter around AD 40 to 45. The only other book in the New Testament that may have written, been written earlier would have been the book of Galatians that we may be reading, the very oldest written book in all of the New Testament. And when James is writing, he's writing to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. So they're the Jews that are, because of persecution, are moving out from Jerusalem and into other places, and, and that's difficult. And let me tell you, the persecution that James is facing with some really challenging stuff. Anything that causes you to leave the home that you built, maybe the home that your parents had, the place that your family has always known, and you're having to go into other places, that's a difficult time. It would be very easy to be angry. Let me, let me say, because, they, because the believers were able to keep their minds during this great difficulty, because they cooperated with what God was doing in the earth, the gospel went to the four corners of the earth. And, you know, let me just pick up that learning and let me hand it to you really quickly. There may be some things that are, will make you angry in this culture right now, some things that are making you frustrated in your own family right now. Maybe there's something going on right in your circle right now, and you're looking and you say, well, is this the end of the world? This may be the very vehicle that God uses to expand the influence of the kingdom through your life. So be careful how you engage it. I'm not saying don't be angry. I guarantee you the Christians were angry when they were leaving their crops and their heritage and their legacy and their family. And we can say that about all kinds of people groups that have been moved all over the planet. But listen, what Satan meant for evil, God used it for good. There's, there's some things that we don't understand, but I know that right in the middle, the Bible tells us that God is in the whirlwind. We know that God is in the middle of the painful things that we're engaged in. So yes, be angry, be moved, but allow your faith to work in the middle of that difficulty. Somebody needs to go ahead and just bless the Lord right now. It, it seems like the Christians that James is writing to that they were really being tested in their faith because James spends a considerable amount of time encouraging them and giving them perspective during trials and suffering. This is one of the great aspects of faith, prayer. One of the great aspects of prayer. I believe that prayer changes things, but I also believe that prayer changes the way I see things. And God works and through our prayer. He works on the inside of us and he works on the outside of us. And you know, I don't want all my problems, I don't just want all my problems to be solved, but I want God to solve the puzzle that Travis Johnson is because he's got a job to do in my life and I want to cooperate with him and I hope you do as well. We see that James is the half-brother of Jesus, a prominent leader in the church. We see that he led the church to maturity and advancement. According to the historian Eusebius Pamphilius, he would go on to be martyred. Actually, the first apostle to be martyred. We always hear about Stephen, the first martyr, first Christian martyr. But James, the brother of Jesus, was martyred right by the temple and he was buried right, right where he was. He, was. he was killed with a fuller's club. Uh, an instrument that was used to 
to knock the dust off of rugs. He was clubbed in the head, fell dead right there, and they, that's right where he was buried. This would go on to happen to all of the disciples except John. So when James is talking to us about anger, he has something to say. And I know for a fact that as I talk about this, some of you are saying, well, you don't know me. You don't know what I've gone through. That's easy for you to say, pastor. You, you know, you're, that, that's easy. You don't know me either. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've faced. And I, for sure, I don't know what you faced, but let me tell you, it seems to me that James had a pretty tough challenge on him. And if James is able to please the Lord and is able to advance the kingdom of God like he did and still be able to be strong and tender with his words and please the Lord, you know what, that's how I want to be as well. Now be careful because this culture is trying to dull the corners off of just about every single person that embodies the values. Oh, that's offensive. We got to take that out. Oh, that's not politically correct. We need to take that out. Forget all that stuff. You be who God has called you to be. Here's how I tell the staff. Here's how I tell our staff. I believe that you can throw accurate passes. We just want you to put the right touch on your passes. Now, I think it's one where the, some, some people throw nice soft passes. So soft they don't hit the mark. No, hit the mark. But in this life, do everything that you can to deliver the truth in a way that people can hear it and receive it by the power of the Holy Spirit. James is saying, as he talks to us about anger, what he's saying to us today is he's saying, be angry and be righteous in a way that people can handle it, in a way that you don't lose your salvation in a way that you don't make a mockery of God, in a way that you don't embarrass the faith, in a way that you rightly proclaim the truth. There is a time for everything. I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, either about me or about someone else, usually it's someone trying to revoke your right to have a belief. But people will say, oh, and you call yourself a Christian for any number of things. L listen. Jesus turned the other cheek, but Jesus also picked up a whip and showed up in the temple. There is a time for everything. Men of God, women of God, there's a time for you to have a righteous indignation and a righteous anger, but do not sin. Ephesians Chapter 4 and 26 come to, comes to us from another expert in this sub subject matter, the Apostle Paul, who had been beaten and left for dead more times than you can count. Actually, they do count it. He does count it. It's in the scriptures how many times he had been caned, how many times he had been stoned. Not the kind of stone that some of y'all have been, but the, another kind where he had been. So, that's, an, that's another sermon, by the way. I'll, I'll get to that one later. But here's what he said. And don't sin by letting anger control you. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let anger control you. Instead, you control your anger. It lets, anger is like money. It's neither good nor evil. It's just a thing. It's something that God developed. It's something that has happened. 
Just like money. Don't let money control you. Instead, you control money. Don't let time control you. Instead, you control your time. The, the underlying principle here is the mission that God gave us coming out of the gates. Here's what he said. Go and take dominion of the world. Go and take dominion of your anger. Control it or own it. If you don't control your anger, it will control you. And you will go to places you don't want to go. And you will stay in places longer than you want to stay. It's called prison. It's called a lot of things. A lot of times we say things that we can't back up or we say things, we make threats thinking that we're going to get a certain response, but sometimes people will call your bluff and go, okay, do whatever it is you're going to do because everybody has a tipping point and a breaking point. Popeye said it the best. I've had all I can stand and I can't stand no more. You keep bringing your anger in your life and let's see how it works out for you. So why is it that Faith needs to work so much when we're angry. James says it like this in verse 20. He says, human anger does not produce the righteous desires of God. Or the human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Faith needs to work when we're angry. So how does this work out? Let's go to verse 21. This is the application part for the verse 19 and 20 of the principle and, and then he, and he unpacks it. If, if this is a condition, then verse 21 says, so this is what you do. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must actually do what it says. That's a novel idea. You know, there's so many of us, we go to church because it's a thing that we're supposed to do for networking or it's a thing that we're supposed to do because we're supposed to do it. No, we go to church because we have a holy God and he wants to commune with us and we want to commune with him. Pastor, I'm just not happy right now. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just not going to do that right now. I'm not, I know what the Bible says, but I'm, listen, I, I'm going to do, I'm going to listen to me. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do what makes me happy. Listen, listen to me really quickly. Just lean in just for a second. God isn't as concerned about your happiness as he's concerned about your holiness. Be ye holy as God is holy. And don't just, don't just, don't just listen to God's word. But do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then, everybody say then, then God will bless you for doing it. So take that last line and take the first line. The first line is don't let anger control you. Don't be ruled by anger. Don't let sin control you. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. If you do this, then God will bless you for doing it. There are a number of blessings in the scriptures. Unity brings blessing. There is a commanded blessing on unity. Bringing the tithe into the storehouse, there is a commanded blessing 
on the tithe. If you do, God will open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing so great you can't contain it. But also there is a blessing here as well. If you will control your anger, if you'll be quick, slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to be angry, if you will do that, God has commanded a blessing right there. God will bless you for doing it. So when faith works in your anger, you will be blessed. Say that with me. When faith works in your anger, you will be blessed. Verse 26. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. And then here's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's one reason why we talk so much about the orphan and we do so much about the orphan. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So this blessing isn't only that you will be blessed, but if you allow faith to work in your anger, not only will you be blessed, but verse 27 says, when you get your faith dialed in, also your world will be blessed. Let me tell you, husbands, if you will handle your anger and submit it to the Lord, don't, don't remove it, but if you'll get it bridled and reined in, meeked, you meek a horse, meekness is not weakness, it's strength under control. When you get your strength, when you get your anger under control, not when you emascul get emasculated, not when you have your manhood taken away, not when you have your man card revoked, that's not what I'm talking about, but when you take all of the strength that God made you with and you submit it to the Lord and you allow it to be controlled by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit of God and you let it be tempered, you, you Pull it in for the times that it's most needed. When you do that, not only will you be blessed, but your marriage will be blessed. Oh, not just the men, but also the women and the whole world. When faith works, in our anger, we're blessed and the world is blessed. I'm thankful for that today. If we just go ahead and have the musicians Go ahead and come. Here in just a second, we have some people that are going to go public with their faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to get ready for that. And I want to speak to you, to each of you today, as we, as we prepare ourselves for this week, as we prepare ourselves for another week of walking with Christ. That last verse there, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. How is the world corrupting us when we're angry or through our anger? I think it's like this because we have role models and patterns people that we follow. When one person gets mad and is communicating that out in ways that are ungodly, you know what, I just talk like the people I'm around. A lot of times that's, we're the sum total of our closest friends, truly. They say that your five closest friends. 
don't, don't, let, don't let your friends control you. Don't let your neighbors control you. Instead, let the word of God control you. Don't be corrupted by the things of this world. Instead, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't imitate everything that you see. Put your faith to work in this area of your life and see if God won't bless you. Amen. Amen. Is there anybody here today that would say, Pastor, I just want you to pray for me. Pray for me. You may be just feeling the pressure of the world coming in. Just go ahead and close your eyes. It's okay. Maybe you're on the receiving end of anger or you're in an environment where there's a lot of anger just boiling over all the time. Or you wrestle with anger uncontrolled in your own life. And you say, I just want God's, I want to be blessed. I want the world to be blessed. I want God to do a great thing in me. If that's you, just slip up your hand just right where you are. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Father, you see us. You see us today. You know the situations that we're in today. Father, today there are little boys and little girls in our kids' ministry that they've been brought here by a friend. Father, they're in, they're in an uh, environment where anger rules the day. And they don't know peace. Father, I pray that you would guard their minds and guard their hearts. Lord, I pray that this church and this house would be a place of peace and strength. God, I thank you for the gifts and the talents that you've given. Thank you for your work in our lives. Lord, thank you for strong men and strong women and strong teenagers and the people that you've given gifts to that are able to stand up against things that need to be stood up against. Father, I pray that you would take us, that you would rule us, and you would reign us, reign over us. There would be no other master that rules over or dominates our life. Help us to be pleasing to you. Let your faith work outwardly. Father, get your truth in our mind, into our heart, and then into our hands so that how we live is a picture of you to this world. Lord, we'll thank you for that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The word of God transforms lives. Takes us from brokenness. Brings us into healing. Takes us from separation and brings us into relationship. I don't know what it is that rules and dominates your life. I don't know what you're enslaved to. I don't know what bondage you have in your life, but I do know the one that sets people free. We don't have to be bound up by things of this world. Jesus, when he came, he said he came to declare the acceptable day of the Lord. Right within that statement, he said he came to set at liberty those who are captive. 
I don't think he's just talking about imprisonment. I don't think he was just talking about a real enslavement. But I think he's talking about uh, also about an enslavement of our minds and our hearts to worldly ideologies and to ways of thinking and ways of life. Things that burden us down and destroy us. And I just want you to hear from your pastor today that in Christ Jesus, you can be free. You can be delivered. You can be healed. Relationships that have borne the weight of generations of mindset today can be broken by the power of God working in your life. If you say today, pastor, I need freedom. I need freedom today. I need freedom in Jesus today. Would you just slip up your hand just right where you are? There's something you're just, amen, God bless you. That God's breaking something in your life. But the greatest thing that you can find freedom from is a life of sin, a life of separation from God. You say, today, I want to be made free and I want to be saved by Jesus. I want to be forgiven by God. You want to be made right with him. If that's you right where you are, please slip up your hand really quickly. Just really quickly. Go ahead and do that right now. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Lord, we ask for freedom in you, strength in you, and liberty and deliverance in Jesus' name. Salvation in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.